Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort from Pixelkin.org, and I am thrilled to be joined today by the illustrious Christina Warren, senior tech correspondent at Mashable, and the indomitable Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat. How are you guys doing? I'm feeling it. I, I tore myself away from a full-on Splatoon war to come record Rocket. So that's the professional dedication. How many lives did you destroy? Many, many, countless. Oh, I love Splatoon. It's so it is, much fun. Oh, it's Christine. Have you played it yet? I haven't, but I've seen the ads a million times and it looks like so much fun. It really is. It's amazing. Courtney it's amazing. and I are going to do oh. a Let's Play of the full single-player mode, and I really, I just, I wish I could take her on. I need to get a Wii U just so I can destroy her in, like, the the turf war, because I live to destroy my friends and coworkers. Right. No, you should do that. Yeah, no, I mean, that. I think that's what we all live for. Yeah. Ultimately becoming the last one standing at our place of employment. <laughs> there can only be one. There can only be one. Highlander. You guys know what? Last week's episode of Rocket was episode 25, and we oh didn't God. say anything totally about it. So I think, it. Yeah. Episode 26, way more special, though, right? Like, 26 is a very good That's number. That's the one. That's what it, it is. is. Well, because, like, 25, like, you're finally old enough to rent the car, but, like, 26, you've, like, gone through the quarter-life crisis. You'll get there, Simone. You'll understand. Yeah, you've and, been through some uh, stuff. And, 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 and you're good. <laughs> Two years. Actually, no, I'm turning 25 in September, so I guess life is ending for me. <laughs> Soon still, I will be but a uh, passing eclipse. That's just true, Simone. Knocking on death's door. <laughs> <laughs> I had, like, serious, serious issues when I turned 25. I had, like, it was bad. No, I can I can definitely sense that coming. <laughs> Well, the good old mid twenties crisis. Remember this sense that you can't just screw around forever. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like you yeah. need to get really serious about your career, or at least that's what what I did after you know Same. having done yeah just a lot of different things and going like all right, it's either I get into gear now or you know I work a bunch of terrible jobs that I don't like. So it was yeah. a wake up call. It's like yeah. the age where you either have to be really successful or at least competent. <laughs> 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 At least not a total screw up. <laughs> you gotta like have a plan. I mean, that was my thing. Yeah. Anyway. Like I, I that gone from kind of I was. It took a while to get through school, and I was doing a bunch of things, and I was like, all right, I have to at least have a plan. It took a few more years yep. for the plan to completely work out, mm-hmm. but that was the year that I had to set myself up and go, okay, I've got to have a plan, and I did. Um, and it worked, but man, that quarter life crisis was real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry to any 25-year-olds who are listening to this podcast <laughs> and just, like, had heart attacks. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. No, no I'm no, sure no, whatever no. you're doing is A-OK. We believe in you at Rocket. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, you always, I am really excited about the show this I'm week. I'm super so pumped. I think we have some hot, awesome, fun topics. We're going to have mean, some hot takes on our hot topics. Hot takes is true. I mean, we've got <laughs> – we have insider info on Reddit – we have robots battling each other. I'm so I mean, we've got it all robots. this week. It's great. It's great. All right, so let's dive into it with Reddit, which had a minor or major disaster <laughs> sort of last weekend after Victoria Taylor, who was the director of talent, uh, was fired. She liaised between the paid administrators of Reddit and the volunteer moderators, who basically have all the control over the many, many 
posts and forums of Reddit, um, she one of the things she was responsible for was organizing AMAs, like the one that happened with President Obama a couple years ago. And more importantly, the one with Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Which was incredible. So basically, in response to her very very sudden firing, uh, the mod- a, ton- a lot of moderators made a lot of subreddits private, which essentially shut down a lot of the biggest subreddits on the site. Uh, they were upset at, you know, the suddenness of it and what they saw as a lack of transparency and communication between the people who work for Reddit and the people who are not paid but who do a, a large bulk of the work moderating Reddit. And, yeah, it was it, it was over really quickly, but it has just been eating up the news lately. And no one actually knows why Victoria Taylor was fired yet unless you guys have some information. <laughs> Um, I So this is where I step in and I say that I know Victoria. Um, I don't have any insider information. And even if I did, and I actually genuinely don't, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. at liberty to say, obviously. Yeah. Uh, except to say, the only thing I can say is that, as she indicated, I mean, this was a total surprise. I actually saw her on Monday. So th- oh, it wow. happened on Thursday afternoon. I saw her on Monday. She came into our offices to give a presentation on helping us use Reddit. I wasn't actually at the presentation because I was on a phone call with Trent Reznor. Um, this is the last <laughs> time I mentioned that this, this podcast, but you know, I have Wait, to. Wait, who was it again? Exactly. Who it again? Exactly. No. Um, so no, my, my, my humble brag is over in that case, but no, but I genuinely saw her. Like we saw her like three days before it happened. And I've known wow. her since before she even joined Reddit. Um, when I first met her, she was with, IDPR, which is um, one of the biggest talent agencies. And she actually did a lot of AMAs when she was at ID because they were one of the first agencies to really get that that would be a mm-hmm. good promotional tool for, you know, for celebrities and, um, and for, and for publicity purposes. Um, and she's an amazing person and she truly gets Reddit. Like there are a lot of people who work for social sites who don't get the community. She's somebody who, totally gets the community and that's why the community loved her uh because mm-hmm. she truly gets the ins and the outs why it works why um it's important to have transparency you know she would very frequently you know type a lot of the amas for a lot of the celebrities where she would be sitting next to them you know in a cafe someplace and she types really fast and has kind of a distinctive mm-hmm. typing style and she was like hey you know victoria here for whoever um and and would really be able to help walk them through the process and and get them verified and would if, if she wasn't handling the ama then she would at least be liaisoning with somebody who was mm-hmm. so that she could get proof of what was happening and yeah. the admin said there were a couple times when she stepped in and shut things down when an agent tried to take the place of an actual person yes. who's supposed to be doing the ama exactly yeah. which which is one of those things that you know she would have the expertise to know both sides of that right like she mm-hmm. you know came from working on kind of the more corporate you know like agency side and then she was working for the community and she really was like every time like we ever talked i mean she was about the community um i don't know the details of why they did what they did i personally think that it's a mistake and i'm sure that whatever she does next she will be amazing at i think the fact that and it wasn't i mean her her firing i think was more the the straw that that broke the camel's back than anything else Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the very fact that such a huge outcry of people who've never met her would respond that way to her leaving um, is indicative of what type of person she is and what sort of presence she had in that community. And, and certainly indicative of the fact that management was so unplugged from the mm-hmm. community um, and that she was one of the only people who worked at Reddit who actually engaged with Reddit, um, which I think is really the fundamental problem that all this points out is that 
Reddit, you know, started as this kind of community-driven site. And that's why, and kind of based on the fact that they didn't have money, you know, that's why admins or not admins, mods have mods. so much power. You mm-hmm. know, if, if, if you control a subreddit, you know, you have the ability to take it private. And what basically happened was is that kind of, you know, the, the community held the site hostage and said, yeah. we're not happy with the way things are. So we can basically make the front page of the Internet one of the most traffic page on the Internet. We can turn this thing into a total you know, um, uh, Mike is going to have to bleep me here. Shit show, because there's no really other word for it. I was trying to think of trying to think of a way to say that, but you can't. And um, you know, we we can completely kind of shut this thing down based on our own power. And the people who run Reddit don't have the ability to take things back. Um, and I think that that's problematic for a lot of reasons. I think that it's also one of those things that we've seen this over the last six months or so. Um, and, and it, it hasn't just been with Ellen Howe. I don't want to single her out. Um, she's had a lot of criticism for things unrelated to her job at Reddit, but where there has been this kind of disconnect between the people who are being paid to run Reddit and then the mm-hmm. community who's actually what makes Reddit Reddit. And it's easy, I think, to write off the, the people as, as Ellen Howe did to the New York Times, and this really bothered me, as kind of the the vocal minority of people who are upset about these things. She said, oh, mm-hmm. you know, the vast majority of the community, they don't care about Victoria. First of all, she shouldn't have said Victoria's name at all. She should have just shut up about it, I think. I think, like, don't, like, you you already, like, fired someone very publicly. Have the courtesy when you're in your position not to even mention that employee. Like, don't even get into it. Second of all, I think it's like, well, you know, these might be the might be of the vocal minority, but they're, might be, might be, you know, a small group of people, but they're not the minority because they are the people who control your site. Have some, mm-hmm. at least, acknowledgement that this is how the community runs. So, and her apology to them directly was very deferential, which I thought was yes. in contrast, actually, to the New York Times comment, which was yes, very it was. dismissive almost. Well, I think what happened was the New York Times comment set people off, and even ah. more so. And and I think that that's when the community really started to kind of go into overdrive, and she kind of realized, mm-hmm. oh, wow, actually, I don't yeah. – I'm not – to me, Ellen's biggest problem is and, – and I don't know her personally, and we, we've talked about you know her on this show before, and, and I certainly – you know. Um, you know, I know, I know Brie knows her and can add Brie's perspective, which I think is a little bit different than mine, um, actually. But I get the sense that she is not part of the community. She's never really been part of the community. She was an investor in Reddit and saw it as an investment opportunity. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that makes her, you know, position of power irrelevant at all. I, I'm not saying that she shouldn't be the leader of, that she shouldn't be the CEO or interim CEO, whether that's the, the case or not, that that's for someone else to decide. But I do think it's very clear that she doesn't get that community and she doesn't mm-hmm. get, and, 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 uh, and fundamentally that's what Reddit is. It's a community more than any other thing. Um, and you're trying to take something that just because it gets all these page views, you want to turn it into a commercialized business. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that they're trying to turn it into a commercialized business, you know, a decade into its existence when certain things have been set in motion and this is how things are done. And you can't just walk in and expect the community who's largely dictated how things run um, to mm-hmm. bend over because you want to make money off the fact that you do a billion page views a month. Like that's just not going to happen, especially when people are doing it for free. And one of the reasons they're doing it for free is because they get something out of it genuinely. They truly yeah. get something out of the community aspect. And when you take that away from people and when you make it harder for them to be social and have kind of that experience, they're going to rebel. It's one of those laws of online communities. And we've seen it time and time again. And I think that it just, to me, her comments to the New York Times were really indicative. It's like, she does not get this. She does not get these, get these people. And then her, mm-hmm. her subsequent apology, 
I was almost like, okay, well now you're so deferential. It's like they know that they can get away with anything they ever want to get away with because you're not in control because you're still not part of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it seems like Christina, oh. I'm going to be disagreeing with you so much. That's fine. That's fine. That's we're, we're still going to be friends. We're, we're still, still going to be friends. friends. We're still going to be yeah. friends. But, yeah. but no, I'm glad, I'm glad we have opposing views. But, but I mean, I, you know, good podcasting is about polite, mm-hmm. respectful disagreement. And, you know, um, I, ugh, this is such a complex problem looking at it from the top. And I think the, the, the heart of this is, you know, Powell has put some changes into place at Reddit that have really garnered her a lot of, um, frankly, sexist harassment in, yes. mm-hmm. in just horrible, atrocious ways. You know, Reddit is, what is it? It's the sixth most um, trafficked site on the entire internet. Like, it's it's really up there. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a vital site, yet it's still kind of losing money because they haven't figured yeah. out a monetization strategy. They've it. never had a business plan. They've yeah. never had a business plan. So, you know, and that is the reality of running a site that large. Like, it's got to bring in mm-hmm. money. You know, we think of Reddit as this huge... Well, I wouldn't say they're losing money. I, I would just say it's, it's not so much that it's losing money. I mean, you know, Condé Nast bought it for like $25 million or something, sure. you know, and, and they have a staff of 80 people. They certainly are right. breaking even. It's here. Here's what it is. Andreessen Horowitz and other people invested $50 million in it because they said Kleiner Perkins invested $50 million in it because they saw it as an opportunity to profit off of it. Um, they haven't figured right. out how to do that yet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, that's a better statement. Like Reddit gold has not really worked out. Yeah. I think you could say. But so. I do think it's important to note that that VC investment came last year, 10 years into the site's existence after the site had already been acquired. And then yeah. Advanced Publishing, you know, Condé kind of took more of a hands-off role and, and, and you know, Advanced Condé's parent company sold um, a, a minority stake in it for that, that amount of money sure. because everybody realized with the traffic it's getting, of course there's got to be a way to monetize it. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree there is a way to monetize it. I don't think that it's, it's one of those easy things you can just switch on, though, when you're taking a, oh a, a community that's no, 10 years no, old. No, no. Yeah. But this, I, this feeds right. into my entire point yeah. where it's a really, really difficult problem that she has in, in yes. front of her. And by the way, everything I'm about to say, this has nothing to do with my feminist politics. Like, this is entrepreneur Brie with her hat on right now. <laughs> sure. You know, with your this business is a, suit on. This is my business, business skirt suit on right now. <laughs> like, this is a very difficult problem that she's trying to solve. Yes. And the, the central problem is Reddit is so toxic. Yes. You know, it is. it has a very well-deserved reputation for having some of the most extreme, hateful, yes. abusive communities on the entire internet. I use Reddit, but I have to tell you, there are some days I just feel so beaten up by that community that oh, totally. makes me steer away from it. And that is Reddit's central problem. You know, a while back, actually, while I was at WWDC this year, you know, Powell made uh, the announcement that they were getting rid of very specific forums that only function yes. to harass certain communities, mm-hmm. most of which I cannot even say <laughs> on this podcast today, like even tell you the name of them. But a really famous one was Fat People Hate, um, which was a... a, a Reddit 
a subreddit on there that was to do nothing except make fun of of fat people and well, like taking yeah. go ahead please, please, well, please. Yeah, no and, and it, it went beyond that i mean they're because they still have certain subreddits that that are that are very racist and they're very vulgar mm-hmm. um what would yep. make fat people hate different and i don't think reddit did a good job explaining this i don't think she did a good job at this i don't think anybody reddit did was that it went from beyond harassing people within reddit to harassing yep. people um in their outside life, like going into other Correct. social media accounts. That's where it crossed the line for Reddit. They didn't explain that Absolutely. difference. Um, because they, they still keep, you know, some of the really terrible ones. Do you not think so? Because they, they kept plenty of the other really hateful, really terrible ones. You know, the one I'm thinking of, the one yes. that starts with the C, you know, the, the town yeah. one. They kept that one. Yeah. And, and, and that was because, uh, Yashan, who I have no respect for, I mean, he's their former CEO. I certainly don't have love for him, but he made a really good comment where he said, that, you know, the, the problem with, with those communities that they shut down wasn't that, that they had these free speech views that obviously Reddit kind of has to balance that line between supporting what they see as free speech on the internet and, and in making it not a toxic, terrible place for people and, let's also be honest, advertisers to want to be associated yeah, absolutely. with. Um, absolutely. But, um, you know, what, what fat people hate was doing was it was going beyond simply just talking about being a forum for people to talk about how much they hate fat people. It was a harassment forum. It was bleeding over to harassing them in real life. In real life, exactly. And so I think that if Reddit had had come out and said, this is why this one is different, I think that you still would have had plenty of people who would have said terrible things and would have been upset and they would have gone to vote in whatever the other, you know, terrible abomination sites that kind of have propped up since then. They would have gone (laughs) to those places anyway. But I think that kind of the more generalist perception on Reddit, which can have a very, it's very easy for Reddit to get kind of a mob mentality thing, especially certain corners, would Mm -hmm, have, the tenor of the conversation would have been different had they kind of understood, okay, this is actually a slightly more nuanced situation where these communities were doing things that was extending beyond just the community itself and absolutely they didn't ever explain that ever see i really got that from their from their comments but that this is almost getting off track here you know like this is the the problem that she's trying to solve like she she has a fundamental yes. business problem that you know she has to balance free speech and i hate that phrase because it's so loaded but open speech she has to balance people's demands for a perception of free speech no 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 right the the entire joy of reddit the entire joy of reddit is you can talk about anything exactly and you know like girl gamers is a forum i go to gamer gazi is a forum i go to frank goes to parts of reddit where it's just like i i'm an r child free which 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 is there you go there there's there it's too extreme for some people so they're like okay i'll go to child free but i don't want to like hate Mm -hmm. children but it's it's it's, it's for those of us who don't ever want kids the entire point is reddit's value is about balancing these different communities that have different opinions like let's take for one just to take myself out of it let's take like um kotaku in action which is a a pro gamergate forum that i have critiqued endless times in the press you know like i realize that reddit has to go through and create a policy for people with those views that are upset about feminists in the video game industry where they need to be able to go there and talk about their ideas. And I think Reddit needs to be able to balance that. But the trick is when you get into doxing people in real life. The trick is Mm -hmm. when you have to balance people posting non-consensual sexual imagery, also called revenge porn, Mm -hmm. on their site. The problem is when they're outing transgender people on their site. The problem is when they have Reddit to actually go through and harass like people of size 
on that site. Right. She has to have this very, very, very difficult job of balancing the two of them. Now, yes. I hope this is not going to feel like, uh, how can I put this? I have talked to a lot of people that work at Reddit at this point. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that from the conversations I hear from people that work there, it's currently a stressful environment yes. as they're like pulling in different directions. And, you know, so like, I don't have any insider information about why Victoria was fired. It seems like a poor decision from the outside. But what I have a lot of empathy for is Ellen Powell, as she's leading this company, as she's trying to kind of turn it into a place where you can have open speech, but you can also make money and make sure the investors have poured a lot of money into your site, get repaid. You know, she's trying to do this. And along the way, these extremist communities that don't care about like the long-term sustainability of Reddit are holding her to all these impossible yes. sexist I, I, double I completely standards. Agree. She, she, right. look, she's certainly, mm -hmm. and, and let's be clear, one of the main reasons she's being targeted is because of her lawsuit against Kleiner Perkins. That's, yep. a, that's a main reason she's being targeted. That needs to be very clear. Yep. It, 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 and yep. a lot of the rhetoric against her has been racist, has been sexist, has been gendered, has been really yep. terrible. People bring in her husband, you know, in his legal problems, which are very real, but they're not relevant to Reddit into it. Yep. You know, in, yeah. in, in, in her critiques and her personal life comes into it. And that's terrible. And I'm not in any way defending that. And I think that's awful. And it sucks that she has to deal with that. My critique against her has been that taking all that aside from it, I still think that her communication with the community has been terrible. I think that she shouldn't have said those things to the New York Times. I think it came across as petty. And, and frankly, like, she should have talked to the community before she talked to the New York Times and BuzzFeed. And yeah. she, and, and the fact that she couldn't even use Reddit correctly to, because her comments were being downvoted, you know, until like however many days in when she realized, okay, well, I need to post to, you know, self-thought announcements. Um, right. because, because a reply on this thread is not going to be seen because everyone's going to downvote me into oblivion. Like to yeah. me, I honestly taking all the, the, the terrible and, and, and awful sort of criticisms and things she has to face that are, that are, have nothing to do with her ability at the job. When I look at her abilities as, as doing the job that the do are, do have things to do with that, which is like her ability to actually know the community and use the service and maybe like not talk about, like don't talk to the New York Times. Don't talk to Mike. Mike Isaac is a great guy. I really enjoy Mike, but don't talk to him before you talk to your community and don't be dismissive of your community when you do speak to him because that's just going to make people even more angry. And ultimately these people, and ultimately these people have more power than maybe they probably should over your site. And that's a business yeah. problem you've got to figure out because that's why you're in charge. It's not my problem. How about if you run a tech company, your job is to develop these features. And like this yeah. is back in, like you're talking about the power moderators have. Um, you know, I'm a moderator at Gamergazi, which is kind of um, looking at all the the drama of Gamergate, right? Um, the moderation tools that we have there are atrocious. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to the people there about trying, like, about how long they've been trying to communicate with the admins at Reddit to get these very reasonable things put into place. Do you realize it's at a point where you've had to have people outside of Reddit yes. write these hacks <laughs> for Safari? Right. I mean, that's that's my point is is that and I, I think that's why they reacted the way they did to Victoria's mm -hmm. being let go, because regardless of, of what happened, 
she was one of the people that they could talk to. She was the only person that they felt they could talk to. And and, and mm-hmm. I think it's sure. also important to point out that most of the Reddits that were kind of, you know, doing this in solidarity had nothing to do with Gamergate or anti-Ellen Powell stuff or fat people hate or any of that stuff. These were the major Reddits. This was news. This was pics. This was funny. This was, was IAMA. There was a lot of hate sites that agreed there with were. that, well, too. Well, of, co- yeah. of course they did. They right. jumped, well, they yeah. jumped in after it, they saw it as an, uh, as, a, as an opportunity to push their rhetoric. I'm talking about the sure. early ones. You know, science, yeah. mm-hmm. science news. Science. You know, you know, our science getting involved is because they had a really good relationship with them because she was a really big, like, genuine user of, of their of their community. And so, I think that it it's telling. I mean, obviously, look, people are going to abuse it for their own kind of rhetoric, and they certainly did. But I think that mm-hmm. takes away from kind of the broader issue, which was, you know, number one. They didn't have these tools in place. And no matter what, you know, um, Reddit is, is promising, they haven't built them. But number two, and I think this is the more, uh, this is to me, as, as a business person, the thing that I would think about, which is why are you letting, if, if, if your property is so valuable, why are you giving all this power to the community if you can't even take things back? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. do you understand yeah. what power you are giving of your site, which you're valuing at the, you know, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars because they got a $50 million investment. So you're, you're looking at probably they would like to think at some point this is a billion dollar plus company, but you're letting, um, out, you're letting people who don't have a financial stake in it run things, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and have the potential to take it down. What sense does that make? And, and why, why is that the case? Like, what's going on here? I think there's a, a very good argument to be made for paying those moderators. I mean, I when agree. I've done moderation work at, at Gamergazi, it's terrible. Well, I mean, it's almost not even important how much they're getting paid. It's like what's more important is bringing them into the system because moderation yeah. is a lot of work mm-hmm. and running a good community doesn't happen serendipitously. Give them stock. Give I mean, honestly, you know, because yeah. get, make, so, make, make, make them have some feeling of being connected. Because right now, the only re- their their only like kind of connection to the system is the community they're getting out of it. And so, anything that they right. feel that is diminishing their community experience is going to make them angry and is going to make them fight mm. that much harder against the system. But if you bring them in and are able to incentivize them in some other way. Um, you know, and, and obviously they have to kind of legally figure it out, then that will give people, then that will make them feel like, okay, I actually have a say in what's happening here versus I'm doing this on my own free time. And because what happens is, because we've all, we've all been part of online communities that disappear and that die. And it's yeah. terrible yeah. when that happens and it's a loss and people scatter to other places. And if you've invested significant amounts of your time, a significant amount of your time in building something and you have nothing to show for it and then it goes away, your reaction is going to be anger and then if, mm-hmm. in, in frustration. And then if you couple that with the fact that you have the ability to take, you know, our pics or our images off or our funny off yeah. of the internet, that's a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like my overall message here is what Ellen Powell is doing for Reddit is I feel like her overall mission is saving the starship before it blows up. You know, Mm -hmm. I've seen information that Reddit's own users feel like the experience on the site is toxic and terrible. That's the literal same people that are using it. So she has got to get in there 
and turn the course of the ship. Yes. And she's the people with the most power, the people causing the most problems, like they're the ones that are super resistant to this change. And they have no financial interest in Reddit being a stable platform no, that because can attract it has to be- advertisers. No, because, yeah. because that, that's well, not why they're there. I, but I guess my question is, and I agree with you, it's a real challenge. And, and, and certainly she's facing blowback for reasons that are unrelated to her personally and her, her, her ability as, as a businesswoman. But I guess my question is, does she understand the community enough, even taking the hate stuff out of it to be a you know to, to be someone who can effectively lead and even if it's unfair does her you know the fact that the community does see her with such resistance even if her ideas are good and i'm not i i don't think anybody's arguing against the fact that reddit needs reform and needs change mm-hmm. is she the right person to institute that change is she someone that that can do it i don't know i mean i think that alexis obviously has other things going on on his plate otherwise he would be the person who the community even though they yell at him and get mad at him they would at least <laughs> trust him they they would at least trust him he'll say stupid things but he's still Alexis. He still created the site and was there and was involved for a long time, you know, and, and even though he was kind of gone for a while, he still has some cred. She has no credibility with anybody on that site. And I don't know if that's going to change. Oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I have to stop you right there. Everything I hear from people that work at Reddit, and there's a difference between the, the mods that do subreddits and the people that work on the admin team and actually work with her every, every day. What I've consistently heard from you know, engineers, all kinds of different people that have worked for her. Is she is an exceptional leader? She's super personable. She's down to earth. She's also fiercely political and and kind of intimidating mm-hmm. when she has to be. But like what I've heard from you know, people that work there, some of which are not super feminist people. I, I hear <laughs> that I hear that she is a really good leader. So I, I just feel like I have to put that out there. Yeah, so. no, and and, and I, I've heard I've heard I've heard mixed things from people who I know who work at Reddit. Um, I mean, most of mm-hmm. them I think say that she's very nice and, and very competent. I think the bigger question is, I mean, clearly Deshaun was not the right person to be CEO. I don't know if the people there think that she's the right person to be CEO either. And I personally, at this point, I don't know if she is. I just don't know if she, I, I, I think that, and, and it's not a slight on her. I, I don't, it, it's a really, really tough CEO job. I just don't know if, if it's, if, if she's the right person to lead this ship and if she will ever be accepted um, by the people that, you know, fundamentally, unfortunately, as she's conceded to in her, with her own statements, have more power kind of within the community than she does. I, I, I don't know if she's going to be able to be the person who I think that all the things, the changes she wants to implement are, are valid and need to be implemented. I don't know if she's the right person to actually implement those changes. Well, it comes down to the point is, is her reputation at the point where even if she does make a good move, will people react poorly to it because of what has happened in the past? And to speak to the point of paying moderators, that I think almost exacerbates this issue of free speech versus Reddit being a profitable website where are they going to pay, literally pay someone to manage our, you know, sea town? Like that would look awful to advertisers. And I feel like if mm, they do go that point. route of supporting the community mods, they do have to take down those subreddits. It, it would be above a certain, I mean, I don't. So just like the popular ones, like funny and science and stuff like that. Right. But, but to your point, Simone, that's a great point. Cause what happens if one of the popular ones is one that becomes terrible? Because like, let, let's, I mean, look, I mean, Violent Acres was given awards from people who actually worked at Reddit at one time. That's true. You know, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Reddit has gone through so many scandals and has kind of survived 
because it's been a, a, a place where I think I think what Reddit's undoing will be undoing will be will be a couple of things. The first and, and most fundamental will be that it becomes too toxic for regular people to want to deal with. The second mm-hmm. thing it will be kind of so so kind of the community eating itself. And the second thing I think will be if in this pursuit for commercialism and and, and to commercialize you know all of this traffic they end up you know doing what Dig did and what we've seen what GeoCities did and what other places did where they end up kind <laughs> of killing off the community spirit and it's a really tough mm-hmm. line to to um you know to uh it, it's a really tough line to balance and and i don't i don't have the solution uh, but i do yeah. think that that, it, that it's it has to be noted and it has to be recognized that this is a community that has existed for a decade and you can't yeah. simply walk in and say well now we really want to make money off of our investment so we're going to change some things because even if some of those changes are totally valid and need to happen because the community is toxic, some of those other changes, let's make no mistake, are purely driven by, tro- pro- by profit motive. And that's, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to hit blowback. I mean, one of, and I have no idea if this is true or not, but, but one of the things I, I, you know, that, that was written on a Quora, um, answer and then was later deleted was that one of the reasons Victoria might have been let go is because they wanted to commercialize the, the AMA thing more. You know, they already had an app and it's very clear yeah. that Reddit sees this as their most commercial entry into kind of selling stuff. And they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's probably the nope. most accessible part of Reddit that they could sell. And that they wanted to do more video-based things. And the Victoria was kind of opposed to kind of that more commercialized push. And they said, okay, well, we need somebody who's more on board with these things. Now, to be clear, A, I don't know if that's true. And, and, and B, I, I don't even know if, if that would be an invalid thing for them to want to pursue. And, and if that would be like a natural extension of this is how you make money off your business. But I think that that just kind of, and having that kind of rumor out there has only added to people's, you know, fears. And, mm-hmm. and, and to be totally honest, I think that, I mean, it, it, the, those rumors seem plausible to me only because it does seem like that would be the, the easiest way for Reddit to start making money and, and to start selling advertising revenue would be on that product. You know, I do have a, a quote here from Alexis Ohanian that I believe I got from The Verge and then copy pasted into a notepad because that's how I roll, where he was talking about rather than having one-shot AMAs, having celebrities become more consistent members of the community as some are but and that seemed like a very very strange direction to me and one that still necessitates someone coordinating with these celebrities and helping them use the platform helping them learn i mean learn how learn how to use reddit and how to communicate with the community communicate with the community geez so the after reading that, this seems even stranger to me because she has that background of working with these people and because she had been coordinating them for so long. She was the one who was bringing them in. I mean, yeah, I mean, at his point, if that's what he wants more of, then she was their person. Lord tweeted about this. <laughs> Lord was upset that Victoria was fired, which is amazing. But anyway, I mean, yeah. Victoria is great. I mean, you know, I, again, I don't know the details. All I know is yeah. her and she's fantastic. And, um, you know, I, it wasn't just about her that people were getting upset. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and to be yeah. very clear, like, like, like Brie pointed out, I think it is very worth pointing out. So much of the rhetoric against Ellen Powell has nothing to do with Victoria, has nothing to do with these things, but yeah. are things based on Ellen and, and, and problems people have with Ellen. But I just don't know if taking, even taking all of that aspect out of it, if she's the right person to run this company. Fundamentally, it's not my decision and, and it doesn't affect me, but it's something that the people who are hoping to make money off of this company are going to have to, mm-hmm. to, to grapple with because this is, this is, uh, we're getting a really up close and personal look at what happens when, you know, we try to turn communities into businesses. We could have seen something similar with, with Tumblr. And fortunately, David Karp has remained kind of in control and that yeah. community has never kind of 
diverted into the uncomfortable and, and weird and, and kind of the, the fringe the way Reddit has. Um, but yeah, but, but I was going to say, you know, that we could imagine kind of a similar thing if, if, if Marissa Mayer had come in with Tumblr, which, you know, from my understanding still really isn't making a lot of money for Yahoo and had mm-hmm. tried to change things, you know, full stop. And, and she was very smart and didn't. Um, mm-hmm. that again, this isn't to say that Reddit doesn't need changes because it certainly does. I think it's just, you know, how you implement those changes and certainly how you communicate with the people who are using your service, which I think, I hope we can all agree the communication has been really lackluster. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. No, there's a, there's, there's no doubt. Yeah. I, I suspect, Christina, you and I, I, I'm actually not hearing anything we disagree with on, on yeah. this subject. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no fights this week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess I would say this. And, you know, I think all of us know this, but you being a public figure and being a woman is really hard. I can say being a leader you know, in doing business in that world and, and being a woman is very hard too. So yes. like when, when I, I guess my heart just goes out to her on this yeah. particular subject. And when people talk about kind of, you know, like you're saying, Christine, is she the best person for the job? I'm not going to lie that, you know, I almost think that having someone that is, someone that's perceived as like maybe more sympathetic to these terrible communities that are causing the problems might be the person in a better position to kind of change them, right? Yeah, I think someone with a, a kind of famous history of, you know, passing, you know, instigating sexual, you know, um, discrimination lawsuits, maybe that is not the best person. At the same time, though, I have to say, like, this is 2015. Yeah. We have done so much this year to talk about what women are facing in tech and to kind of look at some of the systematic discrimination that women do face. And I have to say, when we have a woman CEO of the sixth most trafficked site in the world, you know, I am... I, I think there's value in yeah. kind of standing by her and saying, like, let's give her a chance to lead. A lot of, I, I agree in the short term, it would be easier to kind of maybe get someone else in there. But I think in the long term, I think she is the person that had the bravery to stand up and write the ship in a really different way than other people do. I also have to say, there's a vast long history of women getting that CEO spot when the ship is sinking. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. and dire that, that, problems. Absolutely. No, that's right. that, the typical MO. And, and I certainly think that, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a valid thing to point out, you know, give her time. I guess my, my fundamental question is, you know, I, I just personally don't get the right sense that she's the right person for, for this job. And that has nothing to do with how qualified she is. I think she's a very qualified business person. I think she'd be very qualified to be CEO of many other things. I don't know if Reddit is the right place for her just because I get the sense that she doesn't even taking aside all the sexist stuff apart. I don't feel like she has a real affinity towards the service. I don't get the sense that she loves the service. It's kind of the same thing you see with, you know, I think that for people to lead things that, that they're good at, you've got to kind of really love what you're doing. I don't get the sense that she loves what she's doing. I would love I to see her do something that she loves what I she's doing. I know work there. I fear, I hear that she has tremendous passion for Reddit and the people that work there. And I have to say, like, I hear the exact opposite. And I can say, like, hmm. just in my personal experience, I 
I, I don't get that same sense from conversations I've had, Christina. So well, that, well right. I mean, that's, that's good maybe to know. What I mean, we're going to disagree on. Yeah, that's so. what we we'll disagree on, and I, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad to hear that. I certainly because you know I, I certainly hope that that's the case. I, I it doesn't come that way to, across to me, but I, I'm certainly open to being wrong on that because that's just my own interpretation. So I, I certainly right. hope that that's the case. And I have no personal investment in Reddit, and I am really curious to see how this turns out, and I hope that she can bring things around. Can, can I say one talk- more quick yes. thing before you we move on? You may say one more before quick we- thing. Okay, very quick. This is, this is a really important thing. I know there are a lot of people out there that are talking like they hope Reddit self-destructs from this, from this time of, of kind mm-hmm. of chaos and, and strife that they're having. That's... I can tell you, I think that's a really, really bad thing to hope for. Mm -hmm. I I know one of their very explicit goals that they have is, you know, they want to have these communities. There is value in having something like Kotaku in action on Reddit, where the most extreme practices like doxing, um, you know, like outing people against their will, are against the rules and yeah. that kind of behavior can be curbed. Well, so essentially keep those people in the light rather than driving exactly. them. Exactly. Some it, other it, doesn't, or, yeah. it doesn't help us if they go over to a chance. Yeah. So, you know, I am really rooting yeah, for definitely. open speech to win here. And I hope that Reddit will find that balance where people that may have ideas that I strongly disagree with can have a platform where they can have those communities, can have good moderator tools, and can have those kind of conversations that they want. I I am really hoping that she wins here. Yeah, so, you definitely. know, I just want to say that. All right. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you guys, Can I go on a brief tangent? Yes. This is way better than what happened at Neopets last week. Did you guys hear about this? What? No. Uh, Neopets got new management. Jumpstart is managing Neopets now. They installed what they thought were appropriate forum filters and then fired all the moderators. And the Neopets uh. forums immediately descended into absolute <laughs> chaos. It was amazing to see. Um, it, it's If you look up just some of the, the posts that were happening like what's the craziest sex you had anyone into pegging here oh my god i I think it's fixed now i think it is better but you know what (laughs) worse things could happen than forums getting shut down forums could become an eldritchian horror scape of (laughs) preteens talking about pegging on that note this episode (laughs) of rocket is brought to you by the new mexico tea company (laughs) No, this is actually really cool. So the New Mexico Tea Company sources loose leaf teas from all over the world for its customers. It makes it really easy for you to find new kinds of tea. And they not only have a storefront where you can buy specific teas that you like and equipment to make loose leaf tea, but they also have a tea of the month club. And you guys know how much I love monthly delivery services. And this one is especially relevant to me because my freaking roommate drinks so much loose leaf tea that it is coming out of our ears. We had to reappropriate a bookshelf for this tea. So if you want to, like me, become a loose leaf tea drinker, someone who says, (laughs) make me whatever you're having, uh, the New Mexico Tea Company is... The, their tea service is nineteen ninety nine a month. You get three different kinds of teas, which is and uh, the amount comes out to about fifty cups per tea. 
Um, and you can choose pure tea or herbal tea. And if there are two people in your household, as there is in mine, uh, you can double that tea for $29.99 a month. This seems really freaking cool. And apparently Mike got a shipment of it and they sent him some on-the-go tea infusers, which... Yes! Yes. I got I, those too. I got oh, those did? too. Can, uh, I, can I tell everyone about this? So do you do you know when you go and buy an Apple product and you open up the box and you see that there's like care and and, and love of detail in everything that they do? Do yes, you know what I'm talking about? I do. That is this tea. Like it's not <laughs> it's not like do you know what I mean? You go to the grocery store and you spend like ten dollars on something with some terrible box where it just all the taste like flies away as soon as you open it up. Yeah. Like it is in beautiful packets with like really exquisite art on the front of it. It is so good. Like, I've actually been drinking it the entire time I've been recording Rocket today. Do you know what flavor you're drinking? I am. I am. The one I'm trying right now, I'm going to be up all night with the caffeine, is (laughs) Cream Earl Grey Tea. Oh, Uh, But it's just, it's so good. And... You know, every every different flavor they have here, it's just, it's it's a really big range yeah. of different flavors that they've done. I also got that infuser at the same time, and it's nice. it's really, really good stuff. Um, you know, I had a, a moment a while, a few years ago, where I very consciously decided to get off coffee, because like that, that five o'clock coffee was, it was really hampering <laughs> my productivity, requiring yeah. that every day to continue functioning. Yeah, I switched over to tea. And, you know, I just think this is, like, if you're going to drink tea, drink the best tea that you can get. And I think Seriously. this is it. And yeah. this is a good way to try new teas. Because I, I know tea is super expensive when you're buying it, you know, loose leaf tea. But if you want to try new teas without necessarily committing to that, like, totally sign up for a tea service. Get that tea delivered to your door or to your Man- apartment manager who judges you. Um, <laughs> and if you would like to try this also, uh, you can use the code ROCKET at checkout. You'll get 25% off for the first three months of your Tea of the Month Club membership. And if you don't sign up for that membership, you can still use that same code and it will get you free shipping. But you should also know that if you have a membership, you get free shipping anyway. So really, it's a tempting offer. And you can check out a uh, the teas that they have at nmtco.com slash rocket. That's the letter N, the letter M, T-E-A-C-O.com slash rocket. So yeah, thank you so much, guys. I'm definitely going to check this out. I love tea. It's a little hot for it right now, but you can probably make sweet iced tea out uh, of it too. I was going to say, we can make iced tea. Come on. Yeah, yeah. My roommate makes the best sweet iced tea. It's incredible. Well, yeah, She's I mean, the, 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 the secret is you put the sugar in when it's still hot. Okay, Miss Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I know how to make I, I know how to make sweet tea, man. That's the one you thing I do not do. You southerners know your sweet tea. I was about to get all George judgmental on on you, Simone. Like you cannot know what good sweet tea no, is. Can't. I'm sorry. No, my I'm roommate sorry. makes really. You, just, you can't. You can't. <laughs> it might not be steeped in the sunlight on our windowsill because we live in a cloudy hellscape. But I, look, I'm, look, I'm just saying. Unless your parents, as mine do right now, have in their refrigerator a pitcher of sweet and a pitcher of unsweetened tea in the refrigerator. <laughs> and they have this at all times, all all every day out of the freaking year. There is at least two pictures of iced tea in my parents' refrigerator. One is sweetened, one is unsweetened. And um and, and that's just that's like standard in the South. 
Like you go someplace and you ask for sweet tea and then people are like, it's not like in the North where people will bring you iced tea and like some sugar packets. It's like, no. All right. <laughs> this is I'm going to ask tea. my friend from Alabama about that and she's probably going to come up here and murder me for asking questions about her culture. <laughs> but <laughs> So do we want to talk about giant robots fighting? Yes. 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 Christina, your your news organization crushed it with this story. <laughs> oh, I know. Mashable could go no further. Than Thank this you, story. Lance. This is, Lance yes. is a robot god. He is so good at all the <laughs> robot stuff. Like seriously, like I'm not even joking. He is so good with all the robot stuff. He's like our robot correspondent. So let's catch the listeners up. Um, the Japanese robot. There's a Japanese robot from Suidabashi Heavy Industries, and it was challenged yes. to a duel to the death. <laughs> By an American robot made by Megabots. And in a year from now, they're going to do robot battle in giant human-controlled mechs. And it's going to be basically the pinnacle. It is. This Publishing this article was the pinnacle of Mashable. And then when the robot war happens, it'll be the pinnacle of humanity. And we'll just be done. Like and the fact that he responded you. to the robot duel challenge like in video, like it was so great. I mean, it's it's gonna be like what what, what was that show? Um, uh, Battlebots was that the show? Yes, it's gonna bigger. be like, but Battlebots, but like huge. Yeah, they said it would be slower than Battlebots because of course, I mean, these are because giant, they're so like, huge. The American one weighs twelve thousand pounds. The Japanese one weighs nine thousand pounds. Um, my bets on the Japanese robot, to be honest, because they said it yeah. was faster. Uh, although it is also a lot more expensive. But like the the American robot is two manned. That's very cool. I was going to say, I'm also going to go with the Japanese just because, I mean, that's like slightly, I guess, like uh, not racist, but whatever the term is for like just uh, stereotypical of me. You know, he said like in the, 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 the Japanese Karata, get robots. Yeah. He said that the, uh, giant robots are part of his cultural heritage. And also they've had this robot they already. Are. And like the American team admitted they have to get the, the technology to catch up with the Japanese giant robot technology. So it was very brave of them to challenge but um, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. They did say ultimately their goal with this battle is to start a giant robot fighting league, which nothing wrong can come of that. Frankly, I think that that is the way that humanity. <sighs> this is what we need to this advance it is. as a species. Absolutely. I don't know. I so I I have to say, Christina. I don't think I agree with you again. I'm betting on America. <laughs> You're going on America. All there right, are some right, things right. America does better than anyone else. We deliver pizzas. We write software, we make movies, and we export military weapons of death and destruction better than anyone Ooh. else in the world. And okay, I think good call. We will crush good call. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Brianna's not committing treason today. No, she's <laughs> not. Man, Brianna Wu is going to America all over everyone's ass. I know, right? That, 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 right. That's my always sunny well, reference for the fans. I, I, I also know I also know so many people that work at MIT that work on robotics and yeah, you know, being here in Boston and I just Oh I yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was can, gonna say yeah. Boston is like robotic capital of the of yeah. America. Yeah. Do you have yeah, secret no, insight great. into the the robot world? Well, Frank sometimes will, like, his office, like, from certain views of his office, you can see down into MIT's robotics <gasps> stuff oh my God. that they're doing, and he'll sometimes, like, send me pictures and stuff of that, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to bet on the home team this time. But I started, when I started reading this story, I'm like, 
how would I cheat to make sure right. I, I win at this? So it's like, this is why I don't understand. They're like, yes, like these people are going to accept like risk and injury. And then the Mashable story has like a rocket launcher. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <gasps> so like, come on, we've got awesome missiles. Like, let's just like load that up with some like ballistic missiles and just blow up the Japanese yep. mech. Like, let's do the it. The American he- mech fires paintballs at 100 miles an hour. Paintball, no missiles, <laughs> real missiles. Okay, well maybe that's in the next edition. Yeah, starts with paintball. Start small. Can't risk the robot uprising before we've even begun robot battle league. No, no real missiles. Real missiles. Okay, real missiles. This is interesting. There, there is some some conflict here aside from the giant robot conflict because uh, Karada, who's the CEO of uh, Suidabashi, says that he wants melee combat to be a big part of the robot war. <laughs> so, so good. I don't know. And he, he actually, he called out the American robot for being covered in guns. He said, make it cooler. It's super American, just covering a robot in guns. That is so, so. American, unfortunately. That it is, is so really American. American. So, so was the American. video that they made. But it was great. Well, well, well done, Lance, for getting that interview, too. That's, that's such a Lance interview. Yeah, yeah. He, I love he, it. He was on it. I know, Christina, what kind of tactics would you would you bring to this? Like, would you use the battle bots to try to flip them over kind yeah. of thing? Would you, would you, I don't know. Like, you got to take out the legs. Honestly, I would probably try to sabotage the other team somehow. Yeah. Like, I, would try to, like, the I would try to do, like, like recon where I would, like, you know, like, either mess up their control panels or try to, like, do something. I would, I would, I think that I would take the approach of, like, what can I do to make their thing either blow up or kill itself? Christina, you are the the villain in an '80s movie about I am, a plucky I am. robot I am team. So the villain in the '80s movie <laughs> about robots. I'm so that girl. I You're the so bad be... kid from the rich prep school. <gasps> yes, I am. Oh my god, that's my dream. Oh. I'm, I, I would be Steph's girlfriend from uh, Pretty in Pink. Oh my god, oh that's my so god. Me. What if you did this? What if you got like some EM jamming equipment to like block the radio waves of them communicating with it? Like your own telecommunication systems like could be, be EM hardened. And then you could just like block them from controlling the robot or any of the electronics working inside. And then you could just like destroy it with missiles. <laughs> like that's, that's the play. I think that's more fair, but it does take all the robot fighting sportsmanship out of robot fight, which is what the people want, Brianna. Yeah, we want to see yeah. two robots on equal footing, tearing each other to pieces with their claw hands. That's what I want for America. I don't for know. The world, for the species. We'll see how long that attitude gets you in robot fighting, Miss <laughs> Simone de Rochefort. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, if they I'm, call me I'll up and ask me to be a mech yeah. pilot, I'll let them know. Brianna Wu is betting against me. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'm excited. This could be a sport I could get behind, right? Seriously. Like, seriously. Especially yeah. if, like, you think we could get, like, an e-sport component with it, where, like, you could, like, could do almost, like, drone-like at some point, like, a yes. control of this stuff. Yes. Totally. But I yes. think that having manned robots is even more exciting. Especially I don't like, disagree. I totally agree. Yeah. Having manned robots is totally good, about good. it. But I'm saying at some point, like even having, okay, you know, okay, here's what I anticipate. So, you know, like in, in Formula One, you've got like obviously the guy driving the car, but then you have mm-hmm. all the people at the crew station who are like talking to him and are like, mm-hmm. you know, like looking at all of the, the stats and are like making decisions about, okay, you need, we need to fuel up right here and we need to do this pit stop here and we need to like tune this here and we need to make sure everything's running. So like you've got like both manned side and then the people who are like looking at all the electronic panels and are trying to figure out how can we shave a millisecond off of this and, and mm-hmm. you know, assuming he doesn't crash his car, you know, um, he he can do even better. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, what I'm seeing here is a lot of drama for television series. About uh, yes. Oh robots. my God. This yes. is what we need. We need to show oh my God. About the behind the scenes. competition, the, the arguments that boil up about whether the robot's going to have real missiles or paintballs. Yes. And then, and then the underlying fear in every episode of whether or not the robot will actually gain intelligence to like turn of course, on all of, of on, on its controllers. Oh my God. <laughs> The chemistry between the two people who control the robot, the driver <gasps> yes. and the gunner. I mean, maybe, maybe there's like unrequited love. My fist. Maybe there's sexual tension, like something going on. Of course on. there's sexual tension. They're in a giant robot together. You can't, you can't not like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Simone's like having a moment. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, excited I'm so too. excited. This You're could excited. be a sport I could really get behind, oh, right? Yeah. And also, you know, women can compete in giant robot fighting. Like, there's mm-hmm. no Seriously. reason not to. So, yeah, we could just let's pre preemptively say that if they decide to gender segregate robot fighting, that is a bad decision. Everyone yeah, should yeah. fight in robots. Everybody should on be able equal to fight. Fighting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. They're robots. I love it. I All love right. It. All right. Cool. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Drafts, which is where text starts on iPhone, iPad, and now the Apple Watch. It makes it easy for you to capture text and send it basically everywhere. So Drafts eliminates this distraction that comes with navigating through multiple screens when you're posting on Twitter or Facebook or putting something in your calendar or, you know, mailing something to someone. It When you open Drafts, you get a nice empty text document. You type what you want to type and then you have the option to send it out to whatever service you want to use, be that Twitter, Facebook, mail or messages. You can even drop it in Dropbox on your iCloud or Google Drive and in to Evernote, which is awesome. Yes. And you can also create calendar events and it integrates with workflow, Fantastic Cal, and OmniFocus. So basically, smoothing everything into one nice, beautiful workflow that does not, you know, make you scroll down half your Facebook feed when you're trying <laughs> to post, <laughs> which happens all the time. <laughs> No, I love drafts. I use it every day. Like it's my go-to note-taking app. And um, part of the reason is because of its automation access. So I have a pretty mm-hmm. uh, complicated document set up for my, my writing process at work. I use TextMate and I have a bunch of custom scripts and I have, you know, macros and certain things that I can insert and do things with. And I typically save everything to Dropbox. But if I'm remote and I'm picking notes like with a, you know, with an interview or something or, or I need to, you know, work on something and I don't have my laptop, I use drafts because like you said, Simone, I can back into Dropbox or I can go to Evernote. I can um, do different um, markdown formatting. It works with um, both, you know, um, Launch Center Pro and um, Workflow. So if I want to, you know, perform some automated things, I can. It works with Pythonista as a, um, a Federico uh, Vici from Mac Stories often writes about. So you can do some custom stuff. But if, if you're not an advanced person, it's still a really great notes app because it mm-hmm. lets you perform all sorts of tools, you know, all sorts of things really quickly. And, and like you said, it's got a great interface. But if you're mm-hmm. the sort of person who needs a little more um, customizability in your notes app, um, I really like it because like I have like a, a thing where it'll automatically save it in a certain format to a certain folder in my Dropbox is one of my, you know, save actions where I can just tap it and literally it'll go there. And then when I get to work, I know that that document and that file, those notes will be available. So when I'm working on a story, I've got all my notes right next to me. I don't have to pull out my phone or, or my, or my um, iPad or anything. Um, and some people can say, Oh, we'll just use the notes app on the, uh, on, you know, iOS. Um, fine, but it's not as good. I, I can't bring in my markdown stuff. I can't, you know, um, perform other actions. It doesn't have, you know, various, you know, I, I can't, 
you know, do other things where like if I paste a URL, it'll do a certain, you know, thing. Um, it, it's awesome. Well, this just seems very cool. And if you are interested in using it, you can get it uh, agiletortoise.com slash drafts to learn more about it. Or if you just search for drafts for in the app store, it is right there. I searched today. First thing to pop up. And yeah, it's it's powerful. And you can, like Christina said, you can customize it and make it super dynamic and complicated, or you can just use it in its purest form, write what you want to write and put it where you want that writing to go. So thank you so much to Drafts and Agile Tortoise for sponsoring this episode, the illustrious episode 26 of Rocket. I feel like you've sold me on this. Like, yeah, you sold I'm, I'm me. I'm psyched on it. I'm psyched. <laughs> I'm going like, to start using this. Yeah. No, it's a really good app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I would use this app to win the robot war. Basically. I want to see Drafts yes. sponsor the robot war. That will. Ooh, that would be cool because you could actually set up <gasps> some like pretty complex commands and scripts and stuff to maybe then control a robot where you put something in drafts and then you could talk to your Apple Watch and be like, you know, run this. Wait that for would be it. That would kind of cool. Drafts sponsors the rocket robot in the robot war. Yes. We pilot oh. of the robot, the rocket nice. robot, which shoots rockets. Yes, of yes. course it does. Yes. There we go. There we go. We, we've solved so many problems today. Uh, should we go on to our dessert topic? We should. Let's do it. Now that Let's we are one hour into our podcast. So we'll, we'll go quick on yeah, it. Yeah. StoryBrain posted a video on YouTube called The Weta Effect or Why Special Effects Peaked in the 90s, which kind of addresses some of the things that I talked about when we were discussing Star Wars yes. and how the reason that CGI seems weird to our brains isn't necessarily because we're all nostalgic for practical effects, but also because ultimately people who make CGI are too good at their jobs and they're too into it and they make things that look beautiful but don't feel as real to our brains and basically limits the suspension of disbelief. It creates an uncanny valley effect where, yeah, it looks too good. Yeah. He is a really interesting. Sh- yes, he he is a really interesting example from the two Hulk films, where actually the the Hulk, the the earlier Hulk, the, was it the, the one Angli- with Edward Norton, the, the yeah. Angli Hulk with a uh, uh, Eric, uh, um, yeah, Eric anyway, Bana, Bana. Yeah. yeah, Eric Bana was ultimately more dynamic, less detailed, but more interesting because it was a real environment that they had CGI to Hulk into. And because computers at the time that film was made weren't capable of rendering the entire setting, they could only do the Hulk. So they put the Hulk in the real world. And I I know that can go wrong, too. You get weird, you know, sticky out effects. Right, totally. I mean, you know, you can go two ways with that. On the one hand, it can kind of look like what the Hulk did, which, I mean, that was a terrible movie, but it looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, let's be honest, the Hulk has not been a good franchise for Marvel and in, in, in modern It's age. really unfortunate. It, you know, I mean, I'm still I'm still Team Ed Norton, but like, I mean, Mark Ruffalo is better. I mean, he's got my best, better personality, but yeah, yeah that, that whole thing hasn't worked. But but the, the problem is you can do like the who are the people who did HR Puffin stuff? And uh, there was a there's this TV show in the 70s called Land of the Lost. Um, and it it was like the most janky special effects because it's the 70s where they would like put these dinosaurs mm-hmm. in um, <laughs> the, you know, in, in, in this modern environment. And like it, if you watch it now, like it totally sticks out. It's it's um, ridiculous. Um but, but, you know, back then it was kind of amazing to see, I guess. I, when I first saw the TV episodes in, in like the n- late 90s on TV land, I was like, uh, people bought this. So like, yeah, you're <laughs> right. Like it could stand out like a sore thumb or, you know, it could like really blend in well. It just depends on what you're doing. 
Yeah. So can I say a bit about this? Like the the whole reason it, you love CGI, you work with three D modeling and everything, so you are. Well, I do. And before I start, can I ask? Uh, have either of you seen Terminator Genesis yet? No, no. not yet. So you know, this is a. a t- I saw like a fifteen minute preview um, at at yeah. CinemaCon, so I've seen some of the special effects stuff. But sure, uh, okay. Well, th- then maybe you can kind of agree with the the assessment I'm about to make here. But, um, you know, I am a a really, really, really big Terminator fan. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen Terminator Genesis twice. And, you know, right before I went to watch that movie, I I watched this video online, which was the, the basic premise of it is that we have traded believability for beauty in our special effects, right? Mm -hmm. So when you see Hulk composited in front of a city um, in like this early 2000s kind of Hulk movie, you believe that you're in that scene more, right? Because the environment is around you. We've seen that a million times. But when you come to the the more modern Hulk walking down the street, well, we've got stuff on fire and missiles are exploding in the background. And it's a more beautiful shot. But there's there's something in the back of your brain that just doesn't believe it as mm-hmm. much. And it, it breaks the believability. And I was really watching Terminator Genesis, which I think is a solid film. But I really feel like this movie exemplifies this problem. So let mm-hmm. me give you a bit of an opening. Like you see Judgment Day in the opening. And there's this shot of this this boy and he's in a plane. He looks out the window and sees one of the missiles, the ICBMs like streaking by and you're like oh that's a beautiful shot and then it pans away and comes back to him and then suddenly he's watching four icms (laughs) icbms firing in all different directions out his window which is just ridiculously improbable (laughs) and this happens so many times in the movies like it's these small things like a helicopter falls off a building sideways and it suddenly pulls itself up, even though, you know, a real helicopter would never be able to like start up and, and, and survive that way. And, you know, I don't agree with people as far as Terminator 2 being the best film in that franchise, but it is so believable mm-hmm. and so simple in the action. Like that right. shot where, you know, it's an 18-wheeler in a drainage ditch and a, a car's chasing him to like Brad Fidel's soundtrack. Yeah. Like it's so basic. You could feel the dust. Like you see the dust. You see Because it was really there because they were really blowing stuff up, you know? You totally believe that you're in that world. And I really, you for me as a creative person, I am always attracted to projects that are more minimal in scope. Like our mm. next game, when we can finally announce it, you know, it's going to be a really ambitious idea, but in a in a limited range that you're going to be executing this idea. And I think, like, I, I was, I think one of the more important points of this is when they're talking the average scores of movies uh, according to what was it IMDB and looking how they've just started dropping over the yeah. years and universally yeah. audiences are kind of saying meh and I really believe that this article is dead on that it's in trading all of this beauty we've lost some of this mm-hmm. visceral satisfaction like Aliens is a terrifying movie because you completely believe those aliens are real oh and completely. it's just you know, so you know, yeah, what this I don't made know. me think of. Uh, there's an episode of Every Frame of Painting, um, which is a YouTube series that I absolutely love about film editing and cinematography. He does an episode about Michael Bay, where he says that Michael Bay is a slave to his own eye when he composes shots. He can't tell 
when he should or shouldn't do a shot. He wants to make it as dynamic and beautiful as possible. And that's kind of what this makes me think of. It's not like a fault of CGI necessarily or even a fault of the people making the CGI. It's that we as humans, like we are we are compelled to perfect things. I know this happens right. when I'm editing videos. Like I can see all those tiny flaws in my – Well, it's why George – Exactly. Yeah, it's George Lucas. But like you see all the tiny flaws. You want to make it look as perfect and smooth and beautiful as possible because you think, oh, I see that, that little imperfection there. Everyone's going to see that imperfection. I have to make this – Perfect. And right. ultimately, like, that's not what an audience viewing the film needs to feel to feel immersed in it. Right. Well, I mean, I think we were kind of talking about this a little bit when I mentioned, you know, that I saw Jaws last week. Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, that was a film that was made in 1975 and obviously used animatronics and used real shark footage, underwater footage for some of the stuff. But, you know, um, what happened with that film was that the, the three animatronic sharks they had were kind of malfunctioned. And so they were not able to be as visible as they maybe would have planned to have been. And so as a result, you know, having to kind of go with the flow, shooting on real locations in, um, you know, um, uh, where the Kennedys are from, the the, the place uh. in uh, Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, hi- not Hyannisport, but one of those types of places. Um, you know, like shooting in 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 the Cape area. Um, they were in real locations. The all the shots, even now, you know, forty years later, it looks really good. There's certain aspects that maybe like there's like one scene where where Quint is is eaten by the shark. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it maybe doesn't completely hold up, but it still doesn't look bad. Um, but everything else, like, is completely and totally, like, believable and plausible now. And I think part of it was because, and we've talked about this on the show before, the limits that Spielberg had to kind of go through. I mean, which yeah. is similar to what, you know, the, the limits that, um, like, the first alien. alien, exactly. You know, yeah, like, when you, you have those, show it when you because, have those constraints, yeah. You tend to do more creative work. And, and I think that sometimes, um, you know, creators, we do, we become so obsessed with making everything perfect that we can overdo it. Um, and, and, and it's weird too, because sometimes CGI is used in ways you wouldn't even think. Like, I think I've mentioned this on a show before too, like on, on the Gone Girl commentary, David Fincher was oh, talking yeah. about how he did a lot of retouching on the wig that Rosamund Pike um, wears, um, you know, at, at the beginning, you know, when, when Amy has longer hair, um, because he just couldn't, you know, he, he wasn't happy with kind of the shot. And, and that's, it's, it's a weird kind of balance, I think, between like the sort of compositing stuff you can do that can be really beautiful. And, and, and I know Brie would be able to talk more about that versus sometimes when you're doing the real world environments, when you can make them genuinely look so much better than real life. I, I think that, um, you know, that the, the, the um, article was dead on. It's like it completely kind of takes us out of, the, the real realm and, and we kind of, kind of go into a place where it's like, oh, that looks, it's kind of like when a lot of, you know, movies are shot in like 60 frames per second and it like yeah. looks like a soap opera. You know, you're like, this doesn't look right. Like even though this is beautiful and really fluid, like it doesn't feel real. It feels like mm-hmm. fake life. Like some of the movies I, I care about the most is I feel like I have this emotional connection to these smaller scale movies like yes. november man was one of my very favorite movies last year and it's like reservoir a low, dogs oh my god sorry go well, on. Yeah. No, no, no it's it's like a low rent james bond movie where you've got pierce brosnan playing like a james bond at the the end of his career like trying to train the person coming up after it. Mm-hmm. and yeah the truth is when you don't have this spectacle of all these crazy things that just can't happen in real life, it makes the characters and the truth of it you know, that much more powerful. You know, James Bond for years has, 
insisted on them doing their own stunts in yep. real life. So, you know, like in Tomorrow Never Dies, they actually, you know, they didn't CG James Bond leaping over a helicopter. Like they actually had someone go out there mm-hmm. and do a helicopter, like race a motorcycle over a helicopter, even though they CG'd the, the blades in there. Yeah. I think that it, it's, and it's why those films make such a deep impact on you because they don't like CG all that stuff yeah. in there. So I just, I, I just think there's so many lessons to learn. Yeah, Mission Impossible 5, you know, which is coming out, um, like I saw at, they actually showed the, the, the uncut footage at CinemaCon of Tom Cruise strapped to the side of the plane. Oh. And like they actually showed like, like the, like the, like the footage, you know, like not, not the final footage, but like the, the uncut stuff. And like you see literally like this is why he's still Tom freaking Cruise because he will, <laughs> for, for a movie, he will strap himself to the side of a plane, you know, and, and it's insane. Like it's, it's crazy. Like it's taking off and you see the wind and you see everything. And it's like, that's something you can't fake with CGI yeah. in a soundstage. Like Absolutely. It's, you know what I mean? Like it won't have the same resonance. The fact that you know that he's really doing that is like, holy crap, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But your brain knows it on a visceral level. And yes. even before I remember seeing the footage of that at the gym with the sound off and I just looked at it and I was like, wow, that's a great shot. And then later I found out it's because it's real. Exactly. Like, they didn't CG that. And, but there's something about your brain that picks up on that yeah. and, and knows that. So, yeah. I don't know. I think, like, yeah. if you are a young professional and you're going into this or you're a filmmaker, like, you know, I want to see movies. I, I, I... I'm not trying to, I'm not one of these people that complains like, oh, they just CGI everything. But I think that this article is very right that there's there's a trade-off here. Yeah. yeah. And I think being cognizant of that trade-off, it can help you tell more exciting stories yeah. if you think about that. It's important. So. Not every film, you know, needs, needs to be Mission Impossible, etc. We have, I think that there is a place for the King Kongs and the totally. new Hulks that are, like, they are what they are, the Fast Fives. Like, it is a total CGI, like, explosion awesome fest, and that's fine. But it is really important to think about what is being communicated in the way that you create the work and yes. you know what you, what you can even do with a smaller budget i guess in the case of like jaws yeah and i think we can wrap up this topic with a quote from ian malcolm you were so preoccupied with whether or not you could you didn't stop to think if you should <laughs> all right <laughs> so what are you guys working on this week uh vc stuff sweet christina what about you <laughs> So I'm going to see Taylor Swift on Saturday. Oh, my God! <gasps> I'm going to the concert. Oh the concert is on Saturday. Saturday. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh, oh my God! Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm no, so is reminds- this like a mashable thing where you're no. VIP access? No, okay, no, 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 no. You this, are this legit- was my you- present. This was, this was what my oh. husband bought me for my birthday back in November. You, as a devoted Taylor Swift fan... I was lectured this weekend by my dear friend, Taylor Beard, because every time we talk about Taylor on the podcast, it's never about her, who I've known since middle school. I'm sorry, Taylor. It's always Taylor. about Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm sorry, Taylor Beard. We, 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 uh, we know Simone loves you, but uh, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I would probably date Taylor Swift before I date my, my middle school friend, Taylor Beard, whom I love. 
I don't know anything about her, but that's a good choice. Thank you. I mean, look, I would yeah. date Taylor yeah. Swift. So, I'm married, yeah. and I would what, date Taylor What's Swift. your concert plan? Like, when, where is it? Where are you getting there? How where are you going to get access to Taylor Swift? When yeah, will you that, give me her number? Yeah, I give don't know. her my number? Like, what's going on? Yeah, so I'm not sure about any of that. So, no. So, the concert is in New Jersey. <laughs> because <laughs> this is like venue big enough. Like, the garden was not big enough. Barclays is certainly too small. So, it's uh, so we're taking – we'll take an Uber out to Jersey. And uh, cool. it, we'll, we'll get there. I think um, Vance Joy and Haim are both opening acts. And nice. um, so, I'm excited about that. Um you know, uh, we'll probably do some dinner in the area or at least, you know, do some wine or something at the, at the venue. I'm very, very, very excited. Um, you should be, you should be. Have you seen her before? I have, but not at a full concert. So I saw her, she was at the CMT awards or, or no, she was at the ACM awards, the Academy of Country Music Awards a few years ago. And then there was like a summer slam night that that Garth Brooks or somebody did the next night. I was in Vegas for, uh, for NAB and I happened to I went to both of those shows primarily to see her perform like I did not care about the rest of country music I just wanted to see Taylor <laughs> Swift so but so this, so this as be, you should so this will be my first Taylor concert um and uh you know I've, I've already looked into like I've looked at videos and seen stuff from from the past from other concerts on the tour I'm very very excited I uh I don't think I I you know we didn't pay for VIP for for meet and greet or any of that stuff so I don't think I'll have any access to anything but um I will be spending plenty of money at the merch table i'm sure and um you know uh, my husband he's he's so funny if if, if, uh, you guys have heard this joke before it it, i I apologize for reruns but it's one of its funnier jokes he's like look i'm just gonna stand there and hold your purse while um, and and stand back with all the other dads so (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect perfect. so yeah no but but you know secretly he's excited because I could go with a friend, right? Like, I, like yeah. if he didn't want me to go, like, I, but but he's he's very much looking forward to it too. So that's I, awesome. I, I'm super excited. Um, you know, it's like that's so fun. Yeah, oh, Christina support each go. other. Support go. each other. Watching Taylor Swift kill oh. all of us with her amazingness. Ah, oh, she's Yay. so good. Awesome. Oh, that is the perfect ending to a wonderful episode of the show. Thank you, guys. So, uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cacao. Don't tell anyone. And Christina. (laughs) Christina, what about you? Taylor Swift. No, okay. Uh, Film (laughs) underscore girl. (laughs) All right. And you can find me at Doom Quasar as usual. And uh, please subscribe. Or you've probably already subscribed. Please rate this podcast and iTunes. We super duper appreciate it. And um, go check out all those awesome services that we mentioned because they're great. And have a wonderful week. Terminated. 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 Terminated.